is also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Good, everybody. Happy Monday, February the 7th of 2022. My name is Brandon Bowens, and welcome to the World Sport Roundabout, the only show that looks at sports around the world and tells you in a roundabout way what the sports are all about. As you might notice, my throat feels actually really good today. Oh, I think I could probably roll my R's and do all that stuff that I probably sh- could have done last week, but uh, my voice was kind of weak today. Actually, I woke up with a uh, bunch of jaw issues, but unfortunately, uh, you can manage to get past uh, issues with your jaw more than the issues with your throat. What were we doing last time? Uh, I believe we were talking about Mexico. We didn't actually get to go through everything that I would have preferred to. I think we only got to go over the Mesopotamian fall game and the Chacharia, or the Chacharia, mind you. There's the little tilde and the little roll with yars and stuff like that. So in this episode, we're going to finish to Mexico, and then we're going to kind of have to talk about how the rest of the... uh, our next couple of shows we're going to go because uh, ran, ran into a bit of an issue with uh, some of the countries and stuff like that. But we will get there when we reach that point. So as you guys know, or should know rather, uh, Mexico's biggest sport is football. It's the most popular sport, despite it not being the national sport for some reason. It is the most popular sport in Mexico by far. Uh, the national team, while it's not exactly, like, at par with, like, France or Spain or, I'm trying to think of other, like, big national teams, um, Brazil, 
you know, it isn't top tier international play, but it is one of the higher tiers in North America. In fact, it is probably considered the strongest in North America. Um, the team, Mexico national team, is probably also the strongest in North America as well. It draws the largest crowd of any football league in the America. And minus the National Football League and Major League Baseball, it actually, I, I guess, draws more attendance than those two. And then the Canadian football is fourth. But it's actually, for me, when I found that out, it's actually quite impressive because I did not think that uh, Major League Baseball actually got that many fans. I thought football, you know, National Football League, I thought they might get, you know, the top spot. That makes sense, honestly. But I didn't think that the, uh, the league that we're talking about, the uh, Liga MX, um, or essentially like the Mexican League, it's just nice. Liga is league, and then MX is just short for Mexican stuff like that. I guess, again, I was just shocked to see that the uh, Liga MX actually had a city fans, although I shouldn't actually be that surprised. Like, have you seen games? Sometimes they're on Fox, Fox Sports 1 or something like that. Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, or... If you're lucky, you might get the uh, Spanish cable package. Or maybe you get Univision. Like, I get uh, uh, Univision as part of the free cable package uh, that uh, the my apartment gives me. So, uh, once in a while, a uh, game will be on. And those stadiums are always packed. I'm, they love soccer. Or football, I should say. It is... In terms of, like, worldwide leagues, I did say it's not really, you know, national team isn't, like, top tier, but it is, like, tier two kind of level things. It's kind of the same thing with the uh, with the football league itself, uh, at least in terms of, like, attendance. Um, the big three in terms of, like, the uh, sports leagues which are around the world are Germany's Bundesliga, uh, England's Premier League, and then Spain's La Liga. And then, in terms of attendance, La Liga MX, or Liga MX, <laughs> is actually the fourth most attended. So what is Liga MX? Because that's actually a recent change from the Mexican League, as I stated before. Um, it is 18 teams um, that are sometimes split into two divisions, although generally they are fighting on one table. Um the more popular and the most successful teams are America, Guadalajara, and Tulca. In that order, have won the most titles. Interestingly enough, America and Guadalajara have actually been around the longest, or one of the three longest, two of the three longest tier teams. I forgot the third one. I probably should have wrote that down. Um, I specifically remember Guadalajara. Um, because they are the only team that still follows the old uh, Mexican League rule and where they do not sign any foreign players whatsoever. You can sign foreign players in the uh, Liga MX because they follow um, FIFA's calendar um, of... Oh, no. From going from like January to May and then having a break and then from July and then goes through the rest of the uh goes back until May, of course. Um, 
So they still follow it and they still import players. They still export players. It's just Guadalajara is the only one that doesn't import any foreign players. That's generally where the uh, Mexican team would generally be a part of. They they generally uh, members of those teams generally uh, play with Guadalajara and stuff like that. Now, one thing I didn't realize about um, the Mexican League, and really as I was doing research, a lot of the Central American countries do this too, and I kind of mentioned this with Canada as well. I didn't realize that there were actually leagues that did the two-season approach. Um, Central America, Latin American countries actually do the system. Uh, Canada, as if you guys don't remember, they had a two-season. They had a winter season, and they had a fall season. It was a break in between. Uh, they didn't have any. They didn't have a tournament in between. But the top teams in those tournaments would move on and play in the Canadian Cup. Liga MX does it a little bit differently. So they have tournaments at the end of the season, and it's based on this table and stuff like that. So they have the uh, Aperenda, Apertura, 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 yes, Apertura tournament, which runs from July to December. The Aperada is the opening tournament, I, I have learned. Um, so that's the first tournament. And then you play a table. As far as I'm aware, it can be anywhere from like, 30-something games. I've seen it as low as maybe 14-something games. Um, I, I would believe it's the first number first just simply because it's a bigger league. Thus, you know, you need you know more games to determine placement and stuff like that, but there are various different uh, as you go across the uh, Central American countries, that standard isn't exactly held throughout the league and stuff like that. Um, but the top eight teams progress to that tournament. But if one of those top teams somehow is in the league's regulation level. So essentially how, okay, so, so this is basically how it works, all right? Think of it as having three tables, all right? You have an opening tournament, you have a closing tournament, or the Clausura, 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 yes. You have the... Opening tournament, you have the closing tournament, and then you have an aggregate table. So, if you did really poorly in the first half of the season, and then somehow you made it to top eight in the second half, but on the table, you're about to be regulated, then you're replaced by the ninth place team or the next team that isn't in danger for regulation. Because, of course, I guess ninth place in your table might also still be, you know, eligible for regulation. So then they replace that. Then they have a playoff tournament phase in where they face off each other, playing two-leg tiers, um, and then winners play on aggregate scoring. Uh, if it's tied at the end of those two matches, the winner moves on with the most away goals. They also have a female La Liga MX League. It's the top association in football for women. Uh, they follow essentially the exact 
same rules as the men's league. An interesting fact that I didn't realize was supposedly Liga MX. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try my best to pronounce this. La Liga Feminel, which is the league there, actually doesn't allow their players to play in any other, or they don't allocate players to foreign leagues. Uh, they used to allow players in Mexico to go around and play, especially when the uh, National Women's Soccer League came about and finally established themselves as a true women's league in the game. Um, they used to allocate their players there, but then they made their own league, so they definitely weren't going to allow that to happen anymore. And so, yeah, nowadays they just kind of, you know, they play their games and they they just move on, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to find a number of games just to kind of like be sure because I think the number number is like 32, but I don't think that's right. Um, I'm seeing a lot. Okay, I'm seeing like I'm seeing is like 10 to 11, 10 to 11 games per season because I, I remember them not playing a ton of games. It's somewhere between like 20 and something games, which honestly is a bit weird but oh no I'm sorry that is actually this season they've only played 22 games here so let me go back a couple uh, a couple of seasons ago just to get that total 34 34 is the total so I believe the women's actually doesn't play the 34 I believe they play uh 32. So slightly different, but not all that much different. There. Ooh, do we, do we want to take a break here? I think we're going to take a break here. And when we return, we'll talk about the Mexican Baseball League and the Mexican Pacific League as well. Stay tuned. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch snuggling, ball chasing, face licking, and of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. I just wanted to play with the sound effects. I keep looking at it and I'm like, oh, I should, I don't know. What are do these buttons actually still work? And I hit it and it was applause as it turned out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am satisfied for remainder of the year. Whew. All right. This is one of the, uh, one of the leagues that I was actually really excited about. I, I love baseball. Uh, so learning about baseball leagues around the world is a joy for me to research. Although, again, looking at other leagues around the world, it is interesting to learn about different leagues. 
all around the world. So thus, this show kind of exists because of that. The Mexican Baseball League is... Mm, how do I word this? Because there's... <laughs> two different ways of saying this. According to some, it's the top league. It's the more professional league. The other league I'm talking about is considered the elite league. But this league is considered a top league, which I also I don't really know what the difference between top and elite is. I mean, top would be number one, but elite would be like, oh, it's a very high caliber league. But then, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I'll go into it and I'll kind of explain why I kind of feel this way. But like, I don't really think that they, you know, the other league is really the elite league per se. It's just moving on. Over 100 Mexicans have actually played in the major leagues in the United States. Some of them you might know. Uh, Fernando Valzuela played in Mexico. Uh, Vinny Castilla. He also played, he, you know, top 300 hitter of all time. Uh, Bobby Avila, he was a batting champion way back in the day. And there are hundreds of others uh, that I'm not going to name there, but those are the three that I've recognized straight off the bat. Historically, um, during the days of segregation where uh, African-Americans couldn't play in the Major League Baseball, they would play in the Mexican League, if they're not for... You know, if they're established Negro leagues uh, around, they would play in them. But sometimes they take their talents to Mexico because they would allow them to play. Same thing with Cubans, because if they are somehow able to defect, they could go and play in the Cuban League. Um, as far as I'm aware, like Major League Baseball actually had a problem with the Mexican League coming in to begin with, because... Of course, Major League Baseball was the only baseball league in America for the longest time. And the Mexican League actually came around in the 40s. And so they actually had to file uh, antitrust laws and stuff like that. And I think the judge said, like, well, yes, uh, the Mexican League can still exist and stuff like that. So there's, like, no problem there. All right. So, good news. If you don't like 162 games of baseball, there's no problem whatsoever. Uh, the season's only 120 games long, and it's, you know, say uh, late March, early April kind of season going into October. Like standard baseball, but not 100%, if that makes sense. Uh, Teams typically play five to six days a week, generally one game per day, unless there's uh, unless there's rainouts and stuff like that, in which case, you know, they'll either play it, play, try to play a series all in one day, or they'll like expand the series to where uh, it can be a five game series and stuff like that. Uh, typically, the games are played at night, Mondays and Sundays. Mondays and Sundays are generally off days. Teams will generally only play day games on holidays and opening day. 
and something called getaway days, which I'm guessing are like holiday based days. It's never really specifically clear on what getaway days are. That's what I'm guessing. Like days where like uh, tourists would come in is what I'm assuming. Um, teams would generally play six or nine games against an opponent, depending on the vision and depending on just the timing of the or timing of the opening day and just timing in general. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you can play your opponent six times. There's two divisions, mind you. So it's not like you're playing each division like so many times. Like here, it's probably more like, all right, yeah, you'll play them six times, probably guaranteed, and then you'll probably play X opponents more times than others. So I'm guessing that's kind of why what's up. They have an all-star game. Uh, like ours is a four-day break from the regular season. Uh, they have the North Zone and the South Zone. And then they'll play. And then the manager of <laughs> the, te the teams that make their championship game essentially to the match. It's essentially our all-star game. It's just Mexican and stuff like that. It's four days and stuff like that. I just want you guys to know how similar the leagues were kind of were. And that's kind of why I wanted to implement those statements in there. Um, this is something I actually do like. Okay. So, typically, eight teams make the playoffs. They have four, you know, best four teams make it into the tournament, and then they play each other. One plays four, two plays three. However, there is an opportunity for 10 teams to actually play in the playoffs. And here is the circumstances that will allow... 10 teams to play. So you have two divisions. If the fifth place team is within three games of the fourth spot, there is a playoff game played to determine that fourth spot. It's essentially like the wild card round, except. It's not like it's, you know, if you're fighting, it's not like a day game 163. It's still the playoffs. It's considered a playoff round. You know, I've never, I, I'm not anti 163 or anything like that. I just find it interesting that, like, there's actually an opportunity, like, you know, here you're, you're, you're fighting for this fourth spot and you're like, oh, I can't do it. But if we can keep it close enough, I we can get healthy enough and we can upsurp the, uh, the fourth spot in order to get <clears throat> in order to get into the playoffs and you can, but that also means that like I said, you can get 10 teams in there. Realistically, you could just have nine teams in the playoffs. <laughs> if just one division has one team with uh, that, but then, uh, you know, it's followed by three rounds. The first playoff round is um, best of five. The next round is a championship season, which is the best of seven. And then you have the uh, Serie Dare, uh, which is the best of seven. I'm like, I, 
I actually just read this for the first time and I was like, what? No. Like, I'm pretty sure I read that differently. I was I was reading it because I was like, how does like home field advantage determine it's obviously best record? But supposedly, like for the Serie de Ray, um, which is essentially the World Series. I believe Ray and forgive my forget my Spanish, but like I believe Ray can also be like top or it's like sun sometimes. But I, I again it's been a while since like I've took Spanish too. So please do not quote me on that. Uh but I was reading that and I was like the way I was reading it, it was just like, oh, um Spanish League, uh the top is uh, determined by all-star win. Uh, 2017. Now it's just like, no, that's not right. What that means actually is until 2017, it was determined by whoever won the all-star game between the North Zone and the South Zone. Nowadays, it's strictly based on record and stuff like that. So essentially, I believe the MLB actually did that around the same time. So that is something. Uh, 18 teams are in there and split between uh, the two zones. That means nine teams each in each zone. It's considered a triple egg league, which I'm guessing what they mean was a triple egg uh, league is essentially it's equivalent the players there are equivalent to having a triple a talent i believe that's always what i've remember it so if some if, you know if someone's like oh this league is uh is a triple a league it's essentially just that like if you've ever seen minor league baseball it's split into lots of different leagues it used to be much more complex but i believe it's now uh, low A, high A, double A, triple A, and major league. I mean, rookie ball is below, but I believe that's low A. And then high A, double A, triple A, major league. Some of that. So that's actually pretty good, I think. Now, some leagues, uh, I'm just going to give you guys kind of a heads up here, uh, are listed as... Uh, Quadruple A leagues, which um, essentially means that they're better than triple A talent, but may not be major league quality, which I don't really, I don't know. That that seems kind of, uh, that seems kind of unfair. Uh, those, those leagues, which are uh, quadruple A, um, essentially as a collective whole are actually, in my eyes, better than major league teams. Collectively, individually, they might not be talent-wise equivalent, but they are quite better than most major league teams. If you took a team of all-stars from the major leagues and you put them against those uh, national team, they probably, oh, I think the national team would probably win like three out of two times. Or three. Out of out of five-game series, they win three. They win the majority of them. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. It was a very roundabout way to say all that, but this is World Sports Roundabout, and we'll take a very roundabout way of discussing things like that. I don't even know if I think, I don't even think roundabout's the right word in that case, but we're just going to move on. The Elite 
Mexican Pacific League is what you might be a lot more familiar with because that is considered the Winter League. So during the winter, um, several major league players are eligible to play in this Winter League. Um, again, it's considered the Elite League, and I think it's considered the Elite League because of one technicality that the Mexican uh, Baseball League doesn't have. So we'll count. I'll, I'll go into this. Um, so there's only 10 teams in the uh, in the league. It's as far as I'm aware, it's a round robin kind of deal. It only run, the old season only runs from October to December, and then it's followed by a playoff series in January to determine the league's champion. Yeah, you know, it, it's top you know ten teams, and I believe the top eight teams essentially play in the tournament like before. The biggest difference is is that the winner of the Winter League moves on to play in the Caribbean League. Or rather, the Caribbean Series, rather, not the Caribbean League. And I guess I can kind of explain what the Caribbean um, Caribbean Series is. You might have seen it, actually. Because it sometimes... Like, sometimes, it's generally on ESPN Deportes, but sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll find, like, an ESPN3 coverage of the game as well. And what it is, is essentially, there are many more baseball leagues out there. And so the top teams from the specific leagues in specific countries, or actually, that's not the right way to say it. What is the right way to say it is essentially... You have these baseball leagues, and they will send a team to be the represent representative for their country. So, you know, you'll have your Puerto Rico uh, team that will represent Puerto Rico. You'll have your Costa Rica team that represents Costa Rica. You'll have your Mexico team that represents Mexico. You'll have your Venezuela team to uh, represent Venezuela. You know, stuff like that. Think of it as like... um. FIFA club soccer, you know, like uh, years, years, years ago, I believe uh, FIFA had a tournament in where clubs would actually play against each other in a tournament. Um, one of the biggest upsets, if I remember, is like um, Manchester United in the Premier League went up against uh, Vasco da Gama in a Brazilian league. And unfortunately are just, uh, they, they upset it, they upset it, uh, Manchester United, um, strictly because, I don't know, like, it was, I guess it's considered an upset, mostly because, like, the Brazilian soccer, while it is strong, is nowhere in comparison to, like, Premier, Premier soccer, I guess, that's my guess, essentially, like, that's what this tournament is. It's essentially like club baseball tournaments, and then you have um, you have country ties to it and stuff like that. That's because we'll get into it like once we gotta hit the Caribbeans, which I think will be relatively soon. 
boy. I actually really did like uh, learning about the Mexican League because, like, the whole league is kind of interesting, too, because as I learned about it, too, there's nothing in the rule books, as far as I was aware, that stops uh, MLB players from competing in the Caribbean series. I find that very, uh, I find that very interesting. Because, I mean, I'm also kind of shocked that it's the Premier or the Pacific League that sends represent representatives, despite the fact that they have the shorter season. But then, I guess, maybe what happens, too, and this is just a thought, like, the season for the Mexican League actually ends in October. So maybe what happens is like the top is like team players from those leagues will play in the specific league as well. Cause it only runs through January and then they'll play in the cup and then they still would have a couple, I think about a month of rest and then they could, could you know, continue to play. Cause that's the only real way that you could really determine like who are the best Mexican teams. If you have the best Mexican players, at least that's my guess. You have those players from the Mexican Baseball League, and then they move over to the Pacific League, and then they play, and then they play in the Caribbean Series. And then they might get a couple weeks off, and then they jump back to their league in the Mexican Baseball League. Again, that's my guess. I don't know if that's how it works. I couldn't find, as much as I could find about the specific league, I couldn't find a ton about the league in the same sense. It was more than I thought I would find, but less than you might think I was able to find about this league. Uh, w yeah, we're just going to go ahead and try to knock uh, the next two leagues out uh, before we take another break um, here. Uh, Liga Nacional de Bastel... Ooh. <laughs> I, that's not actually how I thought it was spelled. Uh, Liga Nacional de Bastelosetto Professional. Balosesto? Balonosesto. 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 Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's Balonosesto. But that is their essential premier basketball league. Um, it's their top basketball league. It's the Premier League. Same thing. Whatever. It's 10 teams. Um, they actually were founded relatively recently. I, like, I believe 2003 was the year that they first started off. And they've had, you know, several teams, you know, go defunct and new teams coming in and now and stuff like that. But 10 teams is the league... Or the participating teams in the league, I guess it's better to say. Um, the regular season is relatively short, but they play in a round-robin format as well, um, with the eight best teams qualifying for the postseason. They also play on a point system. Now, if you're aware with Eurobasket, um, Eurobasket rules and stuff like that, some leagues have a table, and it kind of works like uh, a football, a football, you know, table, in where 
a win constitutes as one point, or a win constitutes as two points, a tie might constitute as one point, and then a loss would count as zero points. In this case, a win counts as two points, and then a loss is one point. So, for an example, if a team has played 10 games, and then they won seven, and they lost three, seven times two is 14, and then plus three, they have 17 points. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, table for a I get the table and stuff like that. Um, if you guys have ever seen like the Sports Nation um, video of like why, like, I think it's called like uh, why you can't score on your own basket. Because I believe it's a uh, feeble rule is where you can't score on your own basket. But like, table uh having a table in like basketball kind of doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense granted their point system is completely different from this point table difference and stuff like that but i don't know i mean points like two for a win one for a loss i mean you can only really win or lose in basketball so i mean if two teams have the same record how does that determine i don't know i'm, I'm guessing it's points and stuff like that um I'm guessing there's an additional tiebreaker, but, like, I don't know. Do not know. It's never really explained there. But I'm guessing if there's only 10 teams and then you have that situation anyways, like, you just assume that the last two teams are just that bad, but uh, I don't know. Well, in any case, you know, top eight teams, they play each other. First place team plays the eighth, you know, second place seventh, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's essentially like a normal basketball tournament. You know, nothing really that special. I just feel like the uh, the table is really like the biggest thing. I, I the, the table just, it just blows my mind. Such a weird concept. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by this thing. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, let's take the NBA uh, standings in the 2021 season last year, all right? All right, we're going to talk about the Bulls uh, just because we're in Chicago and stuff like that. So you're telling me that the Bulls... Uh, could have had if we just did points to stop worrying about wins and losses and stuff like that as much as we could. Uh, 33 times 3 is 99 plus 20. They could have 119 points. That sounds like a lot. Especially since they lost the game uh, the last season because they didn't get to play in the 54 games. They only played 53. Several teams actually, like, looking on this list. Oh, this was this year. Ah, that's messed up. But <laughs> I searched 2021 thinking it would show me 20, 2020 through 2021. But now they, they showed me this year, which I guess is fair. That's that's on me, not none of them. But I don't know. Like, having a point system actually might be kind of cool. Because, I mean... I just I I would love to see when 
teams are tied with the same amount of wins and points, how that tiebreaker is determined. Maybe we should adopt that for the NBA and stuff like that, like a table. You know, yes, wins and losses matter. Forget divisions. Uh, forget conferences. Just, just do a table. Do a big old table. Wins are two points. Losses are two, losses are one point. And then I guess a point differential like Eurobasket. And then <laughs> let's let the chaos ensue. All right, no, I, I gotta move on. I, I got. I really, really, really got to move on. We're going to talk about Liga de Football Americano Profesional, or the LAF, or LFA, rather, LFA. Now, how many uh, NFL fans do we have? Did you know that Mexico has an NFL? Yep. Okay, well, no, they don't have a NFL Mexico or something like that. Uh it's gridiron football, which is essentially what the rest of the world sees, uh, you know, Amer- uh, what we call football here. They call it gridiron football. So it's a gridiron league. It's the fourth most po- popular sport in Mexico, um, which I would just assume that, like, you know, Chacharia would probably be one. Soccer would definitely be number, number one. Um, basketball, I believe, is third. Baseball in some regions would be considered like second or fourth or sixth, depending on where you are in Mexico. I guess on average, uh, gridiron football would be the fourth most popular sport in Mexico, according to some of these statistics here. It was founded in 2016, so relatively recently, and there was only four teams. Somehow, they had a lot of financial troubles, but somehow they were able to expand to eight. And I have heard reports that actually that might be nine when next year starts. Um, Because one of the teams that folded the year prior is supposedly coming back. But at least as of right now, I can guarantee you that eight teams are there. Now, how many um, former players, former college football players do we have here at DePaul? Um, I know football isn't offered here in Chicago. It's a bit of a shame, but I understand. Um, maybe if Soldier Field is, uh, if the Bears move, we could have Soldier Field and, uh, you know, as kind of like the de facto Chicago College Sports Stadium. Maybe we could explore a football option at DePaul. Maybe. I mean, it would take some years, and by the time it comes, I certainly won't be here, but it'd be an option. But if you absolutely wanted to play, most there are college professional programs here at DePaul. Not DePaul, but in Mexico. Gosh. <laughs> I guess the idea of college football in DePaul just got like, stuck in my head. But there are like two big professional football programs in Mexico. So those players generally go through their draft eligibility, generally five, four, five, six years, depending, kind of similar to here. Um, And then they would play in the LFA. But if you, an American, wanted to play, you just need to let the LFA know that you're interested in them. And then they will put you on a list of interesting players that are interested in playing the league. 
but you have to use up all of your college eligibility. You can't, you can't uh, decide, like, you know what? No, I'm not going to play, uh, I'm not going to play college ball. I'm going to play professional ball, earn a little living. It's not, it's not the NBA. You can't just assume, you can't just, like, be a top prospect and play in the G League or decide to take your talents overseas and play instead of going to college. No, you, you got you to gotta go to college. And you got to use up all your eligibility before you can play in this league. But, you know, then they have a draft and, you know, it's, it's, it's no different from any other drafts and stuff like that. Um, since there are 10 teams, the uh, season's only 10 games, uh, you play six in your division. Um, there are only two, which are North and Central. I don't really know why Central is one of the divisions, but I'm guessing it's partially because of location of the teams. Um, I don't know why it's you know, East West or like uh, North and South, just because even with proximity, Central makes it sound like there should be a South. But again, those are two. So you play six against whatever division you're in, whether it's North or Central, and then you play four interdivisional matches against uh, the other conference. And then the top two teams play uh, play for a spot in the Tazón Mexico, which is essentially the Mexican Super Bowl, which is a very, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's, it's pretty, pretty close to being like a very big uh, sports event in Mexico. So essentially four teams in total make it to playoffs. Think of it, um, I don't know how, I, I wonder if this dates me. I, I'm 24, but I do kind of remember like hearing about the XFL playoffs when they were like, first there. And it was four teams and now each conference had two teams. They play each other and the winner goes to the very big bowl at the end of the game. Uh, I believe that's actually what it was called at first. It was like the very big game at the end of the season. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, four teams make it. The two teams play. Then they play in the uh, Tucson uh, Mexico Bowl. Um, if you're wondering who has actually made it to the most Tucson uh, Bowls, because there's only been... Uh, if it's 2016, you start, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 didn't play. So there's only been six of these. Uh, there is a team called the Raptors in there. There were, there were like, uh, you know, there's a team called Mexicans. There's a team called the Eagles, which I believe have changed their name since. But, like, there's a team called Raptors, and they have played in three. They played in the first two, and they played in the most recent one. And they've lost all of them. They're essentially, right now, the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, hopefully, they eventually can win one uh, soon. But for right now, they are 0 for 3. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And then we need to kind of talk about this show as a whole. Uh, so stay tuned, guys. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. 
But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. I'm a champion, real mechanism. Hi, Shaquille O'Neal for Rad. It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Let's talk for a minute, guys. The next couple of uh, versions of this show might be a bit weird. Um, and, and this is more have to do with like the world as a large rather than um, anything particularly on my end. Uh, I, I'm fine, mind you, and stuff like that. It's not like I'm hopefully I'm not in risk of losing the show and stuff like that. Um. The Central American countries are kind of hard to find uh, information about their sports leagues. Uh, or rather, when people talk about like sport in these particular leagues, they're more on a record, mm, I hate the stutter. Recreational, recreational. It's like a rec league, okay? Uh, I'm, I don't know. My, my stutter is like kicking in really bad right now, but. They're they're not mentioned as like they're semi professional leagues at best, and it's really hard to find information about those uh, semi professional leagues because they don't have to keep track of information like other bigger professional leagues do, and that's mostly having to do with a lot of the economics in those regions and stuff like that. They are vastly um, economically challenged and stuff like that, and unfortunately that means that the quality of these sports leagues and facilities are just so much poor and stuff like that in fact i was so unable to find information about the neighboring countries in mexico that i actually had to do an additional country on top of that and so i think i can actually knock out two countries really three because i finished mexico today three countries in one episode and just based on what i could find for some of the other countries it might be that the next two episodes, I just knock out a good majority of the countries in Central America. Um, I wouldn't be shocked about this. Um, it might be for the next two or three weeks that might be the case. But um, in, in case you guys are wondering, um, we we will eventually go back to countries do have a little bit more in terms of like sports and leagues and stuff like that because that's our premier primary focus here on the show 
Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know ahead of time that, like, hey, things might be a little bit weird. You might be like, hey, uh, you might listen to the show um, starting at 10 minutes, and then you might have to get in your car and drive somewhere, and then you come back 40 minutes later, and I'm talking about something completely different. So I just wanted to kind of let you guys know ahead of time what was up just to be fair and stuff like that. So I'm going to ask you guys a question too. What do you think is the neighboring country to Mexico? And actually, it took me a while. I remember in Spanish too. Uh, actually, we actually had an assignment to figure out all the countries uh, in a list uh, and the order and stuff like that. And I like I like geography, stuff like that. Um, and I was actually shocked to know that the next country on that list is technically Belize. I thought it was Guatem Guatemala, but it's, it's Belize. Belize is technically a little bit closer to Mexico than Guatemala is. So we're going to talk about Belize. And Belize is actually really quick to uh, talk about. Um, just trying to get down here. Uh, I'm just, instead of talking about leagues, I couldn't find anything about the leagues. I'm just going to talk about some interesting facts about sports in Belize. Uh, the main facility for their track programs is the Marion Jones Sports Complex, um, named after the track star. Uh, yes, that Marion Jones, you know, the one that, uh, Ran really well at Sydney, and I believe she ran in Athens, and then she got caught with uh, some illegal performance-enhancing drugs and went to prison for a little bit and then played a little bit in the WNBA. That Marion Jones, yes. She has a track or sports complex there. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just weird. I mean, here she's a disgraced uh, track athlete. And there, she's well-known enough to get a building after. So, to each your own, I guess. Um, basketball there is uh, governed by the Belize Basketball Federation. Um, their highest league is called the Belize Basketball Association, or the BBA, which was founded in 1992. But again, it's semi-professional, so I couldn't find any sort of information on it, on the, uh, on the league itself. Um, Brino Phillips is the only, uh, Belizean sports person to ever hold any sort of boxing title, um, amongst the two biggest boxing organizations, the, uh, World Boxing Organization and the International Boxing Federation. Uh, he won the junior middleweight, which I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've never been a really a boxing guy, so I have no idea what that means. But, like, uh, junior middleweight, uh, he won the WBO in the early 90s, and then he won the IBF in uh, 2004. And he held it for a pretty long time. I mean, it, a mile a month each time. Um, so that's pretty good. They have this big canoe race, um, a four-day race on the Belizean River, and it generally always occurs to them on Baron Bliss Day. Uh, Baron Bliss was this guy who, in his will, gave over like $2 million to the Belizean people. And so, because of his efforts, they gave him a day to celebrate 
you know, celebrate him. The race generally promotes environmental awareness, and uh, it's essentially the most competitive event for uh, canoers and for amateurs and professionals alike. Um, they are a member of the International Cricket Association as of 2019, but they've only won three matches totally total, and most of those are against other Latin American teams. They've also been part of the tennis or the International Tennis Federation. Um, they've been a member since 1991, but only in 2011 have they actually had like legal status within the organization. So that's something there. Um, if you're looking for something that they've had a lot of success in, supposedly softball is their most, their strongest sport in general. They've had a lot of like wins against a lot of Central American Caribbean teams. Um, they've won competitions and stuff like that. Um, as far as, again, I can't find any information that backs that stuff, but I am taking these documents at their word. The one league I could find um, was the Premier League of Belize. Um, is the highest competitive uh, football league in Belize. It was founded in December of 2011 after a merger of the Belize Premier Football League and the Super League of Belize. And also partially because FIFA banned Belize from international competition um, due to... I, and I, I tried to understand it, but I couldn't understand. It sounds like that one of the that the organization had a member that they didn't recognize and said if they went and tried to compete in the Pacific match, I believe it was against like Montenegro, Montevegro, 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 Montevello, Montevello, I believe this is how it's pronounced it. But if it went against Montevello, uh, they would ban uh, Belize from international competition, and they did. So. They banned them, and the league kind of formed out of that. Um, as of 2019 and 2020, uh, there are eight teams. Um, they didn't play in the last two seasons just because of the pandemic and stuff like that. It runs from July to May, just like the FIFA schedule and stuff like that. They have an opening and closing season. They only play 14 games per uh, session. Top four play in the tournament. And in order to determine who plays in the uh, CONCAFA preliminary rounds of the CONCAF on CONCAF, I said it right the first time. I don't know what's up right now. The CONCACAF, whatever, uh, tournament, uh, the collective winner of uh, the season. So, after 28 games, the top team moves on to the preliminary rounds. And that's Belize. That, that's really it. Um, we're running out of time, but th there's just enough time for me to talk about Guatemala. Um, again, due to finances, their leagues are just kind of poorly run, and they're generally weaker. Um, most popular sports in Guatemala are soccer, baseball, kickboxing, and basketball. They are members of, like, the Amateur Baseball Federation, uh, Pan-American, you know, sports federations and stuff like that. Uh, it seems like their most, uh, their most success comes from baseball because they've played in 
World Cup-like events and like Pan American Games. Um, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> they apparently like there's pride. They have a lot of like neighborhood teams in that they have like a lot of pride in. But again, like I I found the names for like two teams that kind of constitute as like big teams in Guatemala. But again, I'm just limited to the information that I could find on them in like even a week. So unfortunately there wasn't a ton of information outside of those two teams. And I, I we just don't have that kind of time to go too deep into those teams. Uh, other than that, they just, they like kickboxing. Um, they have a, you know, they're part of the Pan America games. So they have a kickboxing confederation. They also have a basketball uh, confederation and stuff like that. And a lot of the times they're doing uh Rec recreational, there you go, recreational um, events, you know, they're mountain biking, they're jogging, they're swimming, um, they're doing like indoor cycle, boot camps, strength camps, yoga, stuff like that. Sport in Guatemala doesn't seem like a lot. Again, again I'm, I'm just limited to what I know. If I, I feel like if I had a lot more time, maybe I could find some more information on that. But for right now, that's all I have. And unfortunately, the next couple of countries are going to kind of be like that. And we'll figure we'll figure something out for those episodes, uh, which actually start next week. And we are running late, actually. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap this show up. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, very appreciative of you guys taking the time out your day to listen to me. Um, tune in later for Sports Flash, where me and... Hopefully, uh, Jalen will actually be well today, and we can do the show together. Um, but if not, you'll definitely see me uh, a little later today at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, and you know we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about something. We'll figure out something to talk about uh, for Sports Flash today. But until then, I. Uh, Thank you again, once again, for listening to World Sports Roundabout. My name was Brandon Bowens, and I will see you guys next time. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.